Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. My name's Phil, a mixing mastering engineer. Well, hello to you. I hope you're all doing well. I am currently melting as it happens because there's a bit of a heat wave in the UK and my attic room here, it gets very hot. <laughs> so I've turned off the fan for just a moment so I can talk to you. So this is, I'm going to try and keep this brief so that I can turn it back on and stop dripping. So this week I'm chatting with Julian Holman of Trouble County. Uh, Trouble County are a great three-piece band, well worth checking out if you don't know them. There's going to be a song at the end of this episode anyway, so you can give it a listen there. Here we discuss things like how collaborative songwriting works in the band, how they bring ideas together and make it something unique. A real take on motivation over the last year and what that's actually been like for musicians and bringing different influences into the band to make it something really, really unique. As I said, I'm going to keep this short so I don't drip too much. On with the interview. So, today on the podcast, I'm joined by Julian Holman, who is the singer-slash-guitarist, both of those things, of Trouble County. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Well, well welcome to the podcast such as it is. <laughs> and my <laughs> my random question, because I always ask my guests a random question at the head of the interview from a random question generator, is <laughs> uh, this may not be repeatable. I don't know. What story does your family always tell about you? Oh, God. <laughs> um, oh, let's try and think. Uh, there's a few of them, really. Okay, there's one uh, that springs to mind. Um when I was very young, I was uh, I was rather rather a troubled teen, and um, and there was uh, one time that uh, that I was having some kind of tantrum, and at the same time I was eating, you know, those miniature pork pies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I was eating one of those, and I lost my temper so much that I threw it across a room. And from then on, having a temper tantrum in my house was referred to as throwing a pork pie. Excellent. Yeah, uh, so that's a story that everyone gets told. <laughs> what a, what a what a joyous reputation that must be. I know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway, on to um, more prescient matters. How did you get into music? What was your kind of first love and that kind of thing? Um, so, I mean, both my parents were were very much into music, and you know, quite varied genres. Really, my mum was always listening to sort of fifties rock and roll. Um, so brought up on a lot of Alvis, um, who, who I still love. And my dad was into a mixture of slightly heavier stuff. So, um, a lot of Europe, um, and, uh, he also liked a lot of country. So, you know, brought up on a, on, on a lot of Johnny Cash and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, from then really finding my own sort of musical way didn't really happen until I went to, um, to boarding school. And I got I got very much into the, uh, the 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 early sort of thrash scene, um, you know, early Sepultura, that kind of that kind of thing, and it kind of grew from there. Oh, that's a, that's not a bad, not a bad uh, education, I must say. Sounds not dissimilar to me. So my my music taste comes from my parents, basically. <laughs> so you you got into that kind of music, but then how did you transition to becoming a musician? Um, so that that was uh, the, the same time, really. So there was various different activities offered at the school I was at, and I'd never really considered playing an instrument. But my brother played the guitar, 
so my parents said to me, look, we've, we've got a guitar at home. Would you like to learn how to play the guitar? So um, we had quite a cool, um, quite a cool guitar teacher at the school, a guy called Simon. Uh, now he was, um, he was in a reggae fusion band. Um, so a, a lot of the things that he taught me were very much rhythm based, percussive kind of playing. Um, and I, I owe a lot of my, my sort of guitar style to, to, to him and his influences, really. But yeah, it was, uh, you know, he was your stereotypical guitar teacher, drove, a, drove an absolute pile of rubbish beetle that was falling apart and had waist length dreadlocks. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Why not? So, you know, stereotypes, you know. What's the, what's the trajectory from there, from learning guitar, from um, a reggae musician to Trouble County? What's the, the through line there? So, um, I mean, I've, I've played in various different uh, genres of, of bands over the years. And to start with, my, my tastes were a lot heavier. Uh, I mean, my, my listening tastes still are. Um, I still play a lot of um, very heavy stuff on the guitar as well, but um, I also um, I also love classic rock and uh, and southern rock, and I really love blues. So you know, combining all those things together has kind of you know brought me to where I am in Trouble County and the and the style that we do. You know, it's kind of a, an amalgamation of all of those things. You know, we've got the heavier side, we've got the bluesier side. So it all kind of came together. Yeah. I mean, when I um, when I first saw you play live, I don't even know when that was, years ago now, the thing that kind of stood out to me was almost that kind of Southern rock vibe. I don't know if you're aware of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, the, that was the kind of thing that really stuck out in my mind about your your style yeah i mean vo vocally very much so um you know the you know i'm heavily influenced by like the lane staley's of this world um obviously you know fantastic influence to have <laughs> uh so yeah my vocal style has very much got that kind of southern drawl to it um which uh, which does does kind of um suit the music nicely is vocal something that you always wanted to do or is it something you sort of found yourself doing at one point in a band? Because it's, I think different people have a different approach to how they end up singing. Yeah, yeah. So from a young age, um, I was probably more interested in singing than I was uh, playing any instruments. Um, and strangely, in this band, I was never meant to be the vocalist. Uh, we, um, you know, we we were jamming for quite a while and we were going through various different drummers and we had auditioned so many vocalists, so many. And now looking back, I understand why we couldn't find someone that fitted the band. Um, because I think in the early days, our sound was a lot heavier. And, um, you know, whenever we auditioned people, you know, we had very much the heavier side of, of sort of hard rock um, coming from them. And um, I actually did a blind audition for my own band. Uh, <laughs> so I recorded, um, recorded. I'd, I'd had a few beers one night <laughs> and, and, right. and thought, you know, sod it, I'm going to have a bash of singing for this. Um, so I recorded myself uh, and I sent it to the other guys saying, look, I found this singer tell me what you think 
because I wanted an honest opinion. And I got one. Uh, they loved it. And uh, so I said, well, it's me. So I'm going to have to learn how to sing and play. <laughs> and, uh, luckily, I knew how to, basically. But, um, you know, with I had to learn how to do a lot of the lead work while singing and things like that. Yeah, so quite an interesting, uh, interesting way to fall into it. <laughs> by accident rather than by design, in a way. <laughs> yeah. With a few beers. <laughs> Moving the story forward a bit, what was your first uh, gig like with the band? Was it a good experience or...? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, our first our first gig was quite a small one, um, but with uh, I'm trying to think what band it was with. I can't remember for the life of me now. But um, yeah, it it went relatively well. Um, I did have a little bit too much to drink before I went on, um, so that was mildly disastrous. But <laughs> but yeah, um, it, it was relatively uneventful. Um, it, it wasn't a huge gig. It was it was more uh, let's test the water and see what we're we're like playing live. But um, the uh, the the drummer that we had at the time uh, left the band shortly after. I mean, he his heart was never really in it. I don't think. Um, so after that, we didn't actually um, we didn't actually play another show for quite a few years um, until we found um, in, until we found a, a drummer that really fitted. So yeah, and then you know the the, the first gig as as the final lineup now because we we actually had a different name before as well. This is before we were Trouble County. Um, and you know the first gig as Trouble County and with the current lineup uh, was actually a festival called Bikes on the Farm, um, and that was quite a big biker festival. And it was actually um, Spencer's first um, Spencer's first gig with us, uh, and uh, and it went really well. Nice. I mean, you you can't hope for more than that, really, can you? Uneventful and. It going really well is is about as much almost as much as you can hope for from a first gig. I always think, at least it wasn't disastrous. That's the thing. But speaking of uh, disastrous gigs, have you had any sort of nightmare experience gigs or not? <laughs> um, oh, I mean, a, a couple of things here and there. Nothing, nothing absolutely horrific. I mean, I've I've fallen over on stage twice. Um, once I uh, I was sort of leaning back into my rock pose for a solo and I fell back onto the drum kit. Ouch. <laughs> that was quite sore. Um, and uh, I, I used quite um, quite a thick gauge guitar lead and um, I, I trod on it and, it and you roll and, I, and my foot rolled out from under me. Um, so I've, I've slipped over like that. Um, Actually, we played we played quite a terrible show. I, I won't name venues, names, or bands or anything, but um, quite a terrible show in Brighton. Um, and yeah, it, it didn't go well at all. Uh, it, it was it was bizarre. It was just like we were on completely a completely different page to everyone there. And uh, you know, we've since read that it is a difficult scene to to get into the Brighton one. So. <laughs> But it's such an active rock scene in Brighton. I'm quite surprised to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, um, it, it was, it was a bizarre one. Not quite sure what happened on that night. <laughs> hey ho, chalk, chalk it up to experience. That's what I always think. So the 
I mean, because I've seen you play live, I don't know if this is still your rig, but it was very um, apparent to me that you really thought yourself in terms of your guitar rig about stage volume. And I think that's something that a lot of bands don't think about because you have quite a low wattage amp, don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, both both myself and the bass player in the band um, chose our rigs specifically for this band and for the sort of modern age of gigging. So my, my rig, uh, my, my amp is six watts, um, six watt class A valve, single ended. Um, so, I mean, when you think six watts doesn't sound like much in in a class A single ended valve amp, uh, it keeps up with, with most drummers. So it's, it's by no means quiet, but it's not a hundred watt stack. <laughs> which, you know, a lot of people tend to, to, to try and bring along to pub gigs. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, it's a, a conscious decision to try and keep stage volumes down a bit to get the best possible sound uh, live, really. And, it, you know, you, you're very, I guess you're very aware that whatever you're putting out of your speakers um, is going to be mic'd up anyway, and it's going to be taken to whatever volume it needs to be taken within the venue. Yeah, 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 very much so. And, uh, you know, the, even the, the, the choice of the, the, the speaker choice that myself and the bassist went for um, was really designed around the tone we were going for and the, 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 final, the, the final mixed sound. Um, I mean, the, the, the speakers I use are really not very usual. Um, you know, one of my speakers is a PA speaker. So, you know, I use some quite unusual gear. <laughs> that is, I mean, what, what brands are they? Go on, people, people want to know. Yeah, they're both Eminence, uh, Eminence drivers. Um, I've, I've kind of learned to love uh, Eminence. I mean, I use others as well in different situations. I've got various different cabs, but my main gigging cab has got uh, yeah, a pair of Eminence in it. Um, one of them is a... Oh, I was trying to remember. It's, it's essentially their take on a vintage 30, but it's, it's uh, much cleaner. It doesn't break up as quickly. Um, and, and then the other speaker is just a PA speaker, um, both 12 inch, uh, and it's, it's just so incredibly clean and that there's really nothing to hide behind with the tone that I get, you know, any little mistake is so apparent. You've really got to, um, it, it, it doesn't hide anything. <laughs> it sounds terrifying to me. <laughs> Moving over to the, the recording side of the band, do you record yourselves or go into the studio? What's your approach to that side of things? So very much um, a hybrid approach so far. Um, we uh, we recorded a bunch of songs at a, um, a quite a high spec local studio, um, and we have then sort of finished those off. Um, we produced them um, and we did uh, a lot of vocals, backing vocals, percussion and overdubs at my home studio. Um, so yeah, kind of a hybrid hybrid setup at the moment. Um, I think we're going to continue uh, that way. Uh, we, we may get a little bit more DIY. I'm just about to expand my home studio uh, with the hope that I'll be able to record live drums. So that, you know, would be quite nice. That's the big... Um devising line isn't it <laughs> the drums require just a lot more equipment to record than anything else yeah i mean for me i've, I've got the i've got the gear to do it but i just haven't got the space um so it would be a case of we'd have to hire a room anyway um to be able to do it um but i mean 
we are very much of the opinion that um, we like and want live drums on our recordings. <laughs> That's fair enough. It suits the style. So, is is there any reason why you're doing it in that particular way rather than going wholly studio or even at this stage wholly DIY? Um, a mixture, really. Uh, we have had uh, not fantastic experiences using studios um, to, to produce our work. Um, you know, I kind of ended up mixing our, our most recent stuff uh, when I, I didn't really want to. I, I don't like working on my own music, um, but you know, we tried a few. Um, we tried a few mix engineers. Um, one of them's actually quite a famous mix engineer. I, I'm not allowed to name him. Bob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Bob, Bob the mix engineer. And, uh, and you know, n- no one got it. You know, everyone was trying to mix it loads heavier than it was. Um, you know, everyone was replacing the drums uh, and just not understanding the vision whatsoever. Um, so I sort of decided under duress to, to do it and... Um, you know, we're, we're pretty happy with what with what came out. And, um, you know, we think if we had a bit more control over it next time round, we'll get even better results. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the challenge, isn't it? That in a way, doing the whole, uh, if I can put it this way, home studio thing is great for all variety of reasons because you don't have that time constraint where you're paying for a room and you have complete control over how it sounds. But... The kind of flip side of that is you potentially lose all that objectivity where you're so involved in the music that it can be hard to see what's right and wrong. Yeah, yeah. I do um I do very much have to wear two different caps. Um you know, and you, you have to switch off to the fact that you have performed this piece of music. And I and I genuinely do have to do that because otherwise, you know, if, if I was to, to mix it from my point of view, I would just have more me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as yes, you know, a lot of people tend to do. You know, there's the there's the famous saying, "Oh, that's mixed by a guitarist," because you drown it in guitars. And you know, so I do have to be, um, I, I do have to put my engineering cap on and uh, and be a bit sensible with it. <laughs> it's a challenging thing to do, but yes. When it comes to the the organisation and management of the band, is there one person who is quote unquote? in charge or do you share out tasks how do you approach that kind of thing i mean we do try and share out tasks um generally speaking i uh manage social media and and then pretty much everything else is split between the other two um now we do obviously have a management agency we're with for jmp um so so they help out an awful lot as well but yeah we we, we try and split the work up I think that's a really good way to go about it because then you're making sure that everyone in the band has their particular, outside of being a musician, has their particular focus um, to make sure everything's being pushed forward. Yeah, very much so. So how do you write songs as a band? So I I have in my head an idea of how you write songs and I, d- I don't know if this is right or not and I'm interested to ask. In my head, the way your songs come across, it feels like they're based on um, jamming sessions from the rehearsal room. And I may be very wrong, but that's how it comes across to me. So it's actually, it's a, it's a mixture. Um, so some, some some songs that we're sort of probably the happiest with have come out of jam sessions. Um, and a lot of the time, you know, it will be whilst we're setting up. 
someone will just start riffing something and you know as the next person finishes setting up they join in um and you know we quickly try and record it on you know someone's phone or whatever or you know if we're rehearsing in my studio we record everything anyway just in case there's something good happens <laughs> um so yeah i mean some of our best well some of the songs that we think are our best uh, do definitely come out of jamming um, but all, all three of us um, write songs as well individually um, uh, and, and, and in a mixture of ways. You know, when, when I write songs, I tend to write uh, from a rhythm point of view first. So I almost uh, write the drums and then I fill uh, the notes in afterwards, um, which is quite an unusual way of doing it. Um, I mean, I play drums as well, so it, it kind of comes from that. And, you know, our drummer plays guitar, so he, he can write riffs as well. Um, and all three of us will write lyrics. So, you know, it's, um, everyone has a, a bash. <laughs> and, the, you know, the good thing is there's, there's no egos. So, you know, if someone, if someone brings a riff and, and, or two riffs that they think go together, they've got no problem with someone else, you know, coming in and saying, well, well I don't like, that part on there so i'll just change these two notes or you know maybe if we change it into this key uh, you know so everyone's quite happy to just um to just move about and and sort of compromise for for the music i mean i think that's really important because then it it stops becoming this song is written by this person and this song is written by this person and they sound a little bit different from each other in terms of their style if you all kind of have a hand in it it means it all kind of blends into the great hole that is the band. Yeah, I think it gives us um, more of our identity than having, you know, one person doing this, one person doing that. Yeah, I mean, when, when it comes to songwriting, do, if you, for example, had a complete top-to-bottom song idea, you know, it's just come to you and you've maybe gone on your computer, started to demo it and gone, this is just flowing, I've got the whole thing. When you present it to the band... Do you then deconstruct it and kind of see if it can be better, or do you try and put forward the original vision? Both, really. Uh, I mean, we've we've done both. You know, I'd I'd have no problem if someone bought if someone bought a song to me and was like, I I'm happy with this finished song. You know, okay, let let's discuss it as a band. Let's play it and and discuss and see where it goes. And yeah, if it's great and it's a finished song and it doesn't need anything, then you know, we will go with that. But, you know, on the flip side of it, none of us are too proud to to take constructive criticism or ideas. So, you know, things things happen like that and um <clears throat> and the song may evolve into something else. So just kind of follow it where it goes, as it were. Yeah. Nice. So what would you say has been the biggest success of the band so far? And this can be the biggest success sort of on a personal level. It's difficult to say really. Um I mean supporting a band like the von Herzen brothers was incredible for us you know we were we were so happy and grateful to get that support slot um and it was such a fantastic night you know i don't know if you've ever seen had the chance to see them live i really want to <laughs> oh they are just sublime one one of the best bands i'd ever seen yeah severely good uh, i mean the whole severely good yeah it it, it was um it was less of a gig and more of a production it was it was just epically good and you know 
us being a little three-piece coming on before that, we were a little bit nervous. Um, but I mean, the crowd were fantastic and, you know, seemed to lap it up. And we, we gained a lot, a lot of new fans from that. Um, and, and fans that I don't think would have necessarily found us otherwise. Um, you know, Von Herzen Brothers are very much uh, sat in the kind of prog rock kind of thing. And, you know, I know we have elements, uh, you know, very brief fleeting elements of prog, but, you know, we, we do love that. So hopefully that came across. But yeah, for me personally, that, that show was, um, you know, we, we haven't topped that yet. That was, that was fantastic. How do you land a big support slot like that? Um, that one was, that was an interesting one. Um, so we, um, we know, um, and this isn't as in we know, so he gave it to us. We, we know the guy quite well that, that runs the venue. And um, when it was announced that Von Herzen brothers were playing, one of my friends tagged Trouble County saying, oh, Trouble County should try and get support for this. And then lots of other people started saying, yeah, Trouble County should get support for this. That would be perfect. And, you know, before we knew it, there were a couple of hundred comments of Trouble County should be support for this. <laughs> so, uh, the, yeah, so they contacted us and said, look, you know, if you want it, it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's interesting because I didn't know that kind of thing worked. So I've seen a lot of suggestions on of who should support on various gigs and that kind of thing on Facebook, but I've never known it to work. So that's very, it's very interesting. Yeah. 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 No, it was, um, it was, it was lovely to see, you know, there was so many, so many kind comments from people about us and, you know, so many people come out of the woodwork that is like some dude who may have seen us four years ago or something, you know, and he was like, oh yeah, you know, they were good and they would suit this. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, it was quite nice. It's very handy, isn't it? <laughs> so I get, I mean, I guess a big part of getting to a bigger gig in that way is having that bigger fan base of people who've seen you and people who know who you are. Yeah, I think, you know, being people knowing that you can put on a good live show is, you know, really key. And, you know, as as horrible as it is, being able to, to bring a few people along um, does help. I mean, being that, that was a local gig for us. So we did manage to shift quite a few tickets. Um, so that, you know, that is obviously very helpful. It's a business at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, that is an important part of it. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of bands forget about gigs is that these are venues and promoters who ultimately, as much as they are doing it for the love of music, do have to make money to continue. Yeah, they have to feed the kids. <laughs> yes. I was going to say, unfortunately, that's not what I mean at all. <laughs> I may have to excise that comment from the podcast, but we'll see. So what have you been doing um, during lockdown, which is luckily maybe starting to end, but what have you been doing in lockdown to stay productive over the last uh, year and a bit? So it's, you know, not going to lie, it's been very tough. Um, it's been really, really tough. And we, we've, we've struggled uh, a lot. Um, I, I've personally struggled very much uh, trying to get any form of inspiration to do anything other than, you know, having beers. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's, it, it's been tough. Now, I mean, I, I take quite a lot of downtime away from guitar and music anyway, because I think it's important to. 
and you know i i listen to a lot of different genres to try and gain inspiration and i think me having some downtime over this period has been quite helpful you know we we have continued writing music through this period um and we've uh, we've been demoing new songs as well we managed to get our drummer set up uh with um a really good electric kit so he can actually record from home now so he'll sort of email me the midi files um and then we can bash a demo together and you know that would then inspire me to actually pull my finger out and write some lyrics so you know we we have been pretty active we've got you know a decent amount of songs finished and a decent amount on the go as a result of it and you know now we're allowed back in rehearsal rooms i mean since since they opened we've had um we've had three rehearsals at home studios and we've had two full um up loud rehearsals um at a proper rehearsal room and it was it was just so good to be back playing as as a band and you know we we were expecting it to be pretty rusty and to be fair it was nowhere near as bad as any of us expected which was good you know that was it was, it was really good <laughs> <laughs> the first rehearsal was not as bad as thought it could be <laughs> oh we expected it to be absolutely dire and uh you know, it, we, I think we were pleasantly surprised. Two, after two up loud rehearsals, we felt that we were almost gig ready. Nice. Uh, which was, yeah, that was super positive for, you know, the feeling to have after, after that amount of time. I mean, we, um, we hadn't rehearsed for nine months um, together. So that was, um, yeah, it was, it was really, really nice. Nice to get back to it. Hmm. But you've, you've also um, put out, I'm going to say at least two singles, if not a few more, since lockdown. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we had we had a few singles ready to go and, you know, we planned in all the marketing uh, around those. And, um, yeah, they, they did really well, um, which is which is nice. You know, our um, one of them that we, uh, we, we released the single and then um, I had to quite hurriedly finish the video. <laughs> And uh, and then we released the video a couple of weeks later, and that 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 did pretty well. Um, you know, we're happy happy with that one. And the, the the video side of things kept me kept me out of trouble during lockdown as well. I'm uh, I'm sort of learning video production, and uh, and uh, yeah, I, I I enjoy that a lot. Um, so that was a nice uh, a nice thing to sort of get stuck into. It's all beyond me is video production. It's a, a mysterious world. Which I don't quite, I don't quite understand. <laughs> did you, tr did you try and um, space out your singles so that you were sort of you had stuff coming throughout lockdown, even though you didn't know how long that was going to be in the end? Well, yeah, we did. Um, so you know, we 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 did track what was going on very closely, and um, you know, one one thing that we we kind of delayed uh, we were hoping the the sort of the next thing to release was going to be our ep which it was due to be released what date are we now uh, it was due to be released last month uh now the problem we saw and i'm glad we decided to postpone it is everyone as we were coming out of lockdown everyone started to release so much music um, and, you know, even huge bands started to release so much music 
that we didn't want it to be just a waste, a wasted release. So, you know, we thought, let's be sensible. We're not going to lose anything from, uh, from holding it back a little bit longer. Um, so we're just at the moment just uh, biding our time and, and working out with our management agency what is going to be the correct time um, to, to release the EP. But that, that, that's coming very soon. It's a difficult thing to work out, that kind of thing, isn't it? Because you want it to come out at the right time. Yeah, I mean, it, it does feel like we lost a bit of momentum because, you know, not only as everyone else, we had so many fantastic shows cancelled last year. And, uh, you know, releasing the singles, we had the plan to release those and then release the EP. And, you know, when that doesn't happen, you do you do lose a little bit of momentum. And we do, we do hope that when we release the EP, everything still kind of makes sense because obviously the singles are part of that EP as well. So, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it's going to be a challenge, but I think it'll be, um, I think it'll be a good one. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're looking forward to releasing it. No, well, yeah, <laughs> then you can get out in the world and think about the next release. <laughs> Tends to be. Yeah, this is it. This is it. So, my final question to you is what goals do you have for the band in the next six months to a year or so well i think at the moment we want to really get out there and gig as much as possible we want to um you know get the ep released and tour it up and down the country as much as possible we have had uh unfortunately before covid happened um there was there was mutterings of a european tour and that was also before Brexit happened. <laughs> uh, so not so easy right now. Yeah, it's not. It's not going to be as as easy. But um, you know, national tours and and hopefully a European tour will be on the cards within the next um, sort of twelve to eighteen months, I would say. But you know, we we want to get out there and gig as much as possible, and you know, just spread the good word. I think that's where every band is at at the moment, aren't they? They're just desperate to get back out there. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. We can't wait. I mean, we've got we've got some some decent gigs booked so far. Um, so you know, looking forward to, to to getting out and getting those. And we're, we're we're booking more. It seems on a weekly basis, which is fantastic. So hopefully, it should be a should be a busy sort of end to the year. Yes, hopefully, I'd love to go to a gig. I'm re- <laughs> really desperate to. <laughs> Anyway, uh, to close out the podcast, I'd love to ask you for your favourite song that is released <laughs> from the band to play at the end of the podcast, uh, whatever that can be. So which song is that and why? So at the moment, I mean, I, I think my favourite song changes on a on a sort of week-to-week basis. At the moment, I've got a lot of love for our song Awake. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite, quite a nice story to it. It's got quite a nice accompanying video. You know, I'm really happy with the production of it. It's, it's, it's a song that um, probably one of the only ones I'm truly happy with my guitar tone. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, at the moment, I'm, I'm, I'm loving that. So to close out the podcast, as I say, this is Trouble County with Awake. Julian, it's been really good to talk to you. Oh, it's been fantastic. Thank you very much for having me. Mm-hmm.